1: As always, a pleasure to have you with us here on the GM Shuffle. It's AD and Michael Lombardi. Please do follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Lots of combo coming. As I said to Mike last week, do you think we're going to have training camp this week when we talk? And sure enough, players are reporting. As Mike said, it's not going to be a conventional training camp, but they're doing it. Before we get into that, though, let's talk about Major League Baseball and how this could impact the National Football League. So Major League Baseball has postponed two games that were scheduled for Monday night, one for Tuesday because of this coronavirus outbreak among the Miami Marlins. At last check, and we're taping this on a Tuesday, 17 Marlins have tested positive so far after just completing a series in Philadelphia. And thankfully, the good news is no positive tests on the Phillies. Your reaction though, Mike, because immediately people are saying, all right, if MLB has to pause or shut down the season, this will impact other leagues. The NBA and the NHL are both going to try playing in a bubble, but the NFL, like Major League Baseball, is going to try to travel and get games done. What was your reaction when you saw the story? You know, my first reaction
2: was I don't think people really understand baseball and football are two entirely different sports. And I would urge the people that make this, you know, this statement NFL is looking closely at Major League Baseball. I would urge those people that make that statement to go watch Bull Durham. Just go watch the movie Bull Durham. And go sit there and watch Bull Durham and, and, and listen to it and, and watch Annie, you know, as she comes to the game all the time and how she and uh, uh, Lalouche, you know, you know, are talking about this robing and he keeps his socks on and she tells him, you know, Dwight Gooden never leaves his socks on, you know, <laughs> you know, listen to Crash and Annie talk about Duke's chastity was his idea, talk about all that stuff. The point I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make is baseball is a different sport traveling than football. We see it in Bull Durham. When those guys hit the road, there's groupies, there's girls, they're, they're in their hotel, they're out in the street, they're going. The NFL is a self-contained environment when you leave and go on the road. They are in a bubble. They are doing the things that have to do. Now, they're doing it differently than the NBA. They're not living in one place. But the NFL has cooperation with their players association to form a – but. either you want to stay at the hotel you want to stay at home. Those are two options. If you want to opt out, you opt out. We know that, right? But this is not like baseball. Baseball, those guys go to a hotel – they get there, you know it. It's a four day week, right? Yep. And like they said in in Buldorum, I mean, if a player's on a streak, you got to respect the streak. So if he go if he went out the night before and had a few drinks, he's going out the next night when he's on a streak, right? As Crash says, you, if you believe you're playing well because you're getting laid, or because you're not getting laid, or because you wear women's underwear, then you are. And then you
1: should know that. <laughs> I love that you're quoting Bull Durham out of the gate. Uh, candlesticks make a nice wedding gift. Man, that sucker tattooed off in that pitch like he knew it was coming. Yeah, he didn't know it was coming. I told him. Uh, but to your point, the baseball <laughs> culture, one of the biggest things, Mike, we were saying is, you know, you've been stuck at home four and a half months, you know, with the wife. Maybe you're single, you're just dying to get out of the house. Okay, fine. The first week you fall apart protocol sure, whatever you say. After two weeks, after a month, you go, I got to get out of here, man. I got to go hit a bar. Like you said, just go meet some girls, have a good time, etc. So I'm not surprised there's an outbreak on the Marlins. I'm not surprised it's Miami because we know how high the numbers are in Florida. But I am surprised it's so quick into the season. But I don't think Major League Baseball should cancel the season. I don't think they should pause the season yet. I think it's okay. Marlins, you guys sit this one out for a couple days. Get healthy. We have a taxi squad. There's a traveling taxi squad of three players for every team. There is also a pool of 60 which is simply implemented by major league baseball in the event of this happening there's no minor league baseball this year so i don't want to get on a baseball tangent but my point is leagues are ready for this to happen rob for the commissioner did not think we're going to get through the season without any positive tests This is an outbreak very early into the season, but now we'll see what the plans are, what the contingency plans are. Bring up other players, get those players healthy and go from there. To the NFL we go. The NFL is saying they have no immediate plans to shift to a bubble concept in response to this news. According to NFL Chief Medical Officer, Alan Sills, and by the way, that might be the most important name, Mike, in all of football this year, NFL Chief Medical Officer, Alan Sills. He says, to your point, we already operate in a virtual football bubble. As we said before, everyone in our team, environment shares the same risk, but they share the same responsibility to each other. At the facility, they share responsibility for what they're doing, but they also share responsibility when they're away from the facility. The bulk of NFL players are scheduled to report to training camp today, and players must produce three negative results over a four-day period. Anybody who thinks the NFL is going to say, oh, my God, look what happened to baseball. I got to have a bubble. They're not paying attention. That bubble ain't happening because, as you said, the bubble already exists. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's just just go watch Bull Durham and you realize exactly what happened. That's minor league. Those guys don't have any money. <laughs> and then go watch uh, the Kevin Costner movie with Kelly Preston, uh, you know, and, and, and and you know, he meets her. I mean, you know, I know he meets her drive because she had a flat tire or something. Right, but for love of the game. For the love of the game. I mean— like, let's be honest. I mean, they're two different sports. You know, what people don't understand. If you if you're playing if you're in New England and you're playing Buffalo at one o'clock on Sunday, you know, you go to the airport, the bus leaves at two. You get to the airport, Providence Airport, you probably get down there, the bus, the plane's loaded, you take off at three fifteen, three thirty. You're in Buffalo, four thirty, quarter to five. You get to the hotel, five thirty, right? Okay, there's the, the, the meetings start at seven. Dinners man at dinner's at five thirty. There's no time. And then there's curfew. And then after the game, you know, after the game, everybody tries to evoke the Bud Grant rule which is 1 hour after the last speech in the locker room, everybody has to be on the bus and we're headed back. So there's no time. They're not going to let fans at the game, so if players aren't going to be able to hang out with their families after the game. They're going to get back on the bus, go back to their bubble, and then when they get home, that's uh, Sunday night would probably be the most dangerous time for NFL players. They've got rules and regulations, plus they can fine them. So, I mean, I think it's doable. Look, do I think it's hard? Hell yeah, it's hard. Do I think they're going to have to give up something? Yeah. And as, as we've all talked about, mental toughness is defined by doing what's right for the team when it may not be right for you. It may not be right for you to go out and party, you know? and i think that to me we're, people are it's it's once again it's the it's the lie witness news people have opinions on shit and they have no idea what they're talking about
1: yeah, I saw. I think Kyle Brandt was tweeting that it's it's unfortunate. You see, like people who cover the NFL or like sports personnel, people with blue checks who are like almost rooting for sports to fail. It's like I, I mean I don't understand. Like I get the fact if you say listen, health is important, of course, who isn't saying that? But you almost get this faction of people who are like, no, they shouldn't play. Don't even try. Forget it. And I, I've always been of the opinion let's at least give it a shot. And to your point with the NFL, those protocols of limiting movement and contact, teams have the option to discipline players or other employees who take risky actions when away from the facilities. That's important to note. If you find out a player was away when he shouldn't have been, there, there could be repercussions. And this NBA bubble, there's already stories, right? Lou Williams is sneaking off, trying to have a little fun, going to pick up some takeout. Like <laughs> even the bubble system, Mike, that's fraught with peril because can you predict these guys are going to stay in that bubble the whole time? What if they're flying in girls? I mean, there's lots of other issues that can happen. Right. I mean, and the, I mean, people don't realize those
2: baseball players, when, when they go to the best job in baseball to have is the visiting clubhouse attendant because he, he makes a fortune they tip heavy you know they have everything taken care of I mean you're if you get the visiting clubhouse job in baseball you're probably taking down 200 grand a year and most of it's in cash and, and because those guys come in they tip they make a lot of money they want to hit the road they want to do this football's the opposite of that there's no they ain't they ain't spending any money you know and so to me it's just like look I I gotta say something if I were magic city and my chicken wings were so good that lou williams (laughs) needed to go there I, i i would start advertising like look he came for the wings. It's like, you know, my father was a barber. They used to have Playboy in there, you know, and I would try to look at the Playboy and say, oh, I'm just looking at the articles. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're looking at the articles. Yeah, Lou, you're looking at the wings. Like, seriously, like Magic, they should take advantage of this moment. It, you know, they should spin this thing forward and say, hey, look, we got the greatest wings. In the hit. Don't even look at our girls. We Don't even look at them. Just come for the
1: wings. This guy was willing to risk his season. He was willing to jeopardize his uh, playoff share because of the wings. That was of paramount importance to him rather than finishing the NBA season. That's how good these damn wings are, all right? Exactly. I mean, how dumb are they not to take
2: advantage of this? This is the greatest PR gift. I mean, you don't have to be goddamn David Ogilvy to figure this <laughs>
1: advertising out. I got to check out those wings. Bada bing, we know what to advertise all over the place. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Let's get to the issue with the Patriots because, again, if guys want to opt out, that, of course, is your decision. Dante Hightower, the latest member of the New England Patriots, expected to opt out. So this is a day after you had three other guys as well. I know Patrick Chung now, so that's a six Patriot players who are opting out. Hightower recently became the father to a newborn. I I believe Patrick Chung is also expecting another child with Hightower 15 games last season. The 30-year-old ranked second on the team in tackles, uh, tackles for loss, quarterback hits. He was great behind Jamie Collins. Chung, uh, as we all know, is a guy that Belichick likes a lot. is an important part of their secondary veteran player. What does this mean specifically for New England, Mike, when you say, okay, six guys are already saying, you know what, thanks, but no thanks.
2: You know, this is where deductive reasoning really is wrong, right? When you use deductive reasoning, you start with a theory and then you prove that theory. You know, so six patriots are out. The theory is they all don't want to play there. That's why they're opting out. But when you peel back the layers... Bolden had a medical condition that really prohibits him from playing. He qualifies under the the higher risk player. You know, Marcus Cannon, there was a lot of conversations this offseason and he was going to retire a lot of conversations. And he lives on a ranch. He's gone through the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. There's no doubt that he's a high-risk guy. And the fact that he was thinking about retirement, I don't think it caught it caught the Patriots by any surprise whatsoever. And then Hightower, you know, I was having a conversation with an executive in the league the other day and, and just felt like there's no way Hightower would play. Like, there's just certain guys you know they're not going to do it. And so... I don't think it's a reflection of the program. I think it's a reflection of individual. Oper- I mean, Danny Vitale opted out because he has a young family. Well, there's a good chance Danny Vitale wasn't going to make the team. I mean, he, you know, they drafted they drafted Asasi, the kid from UCLA. They drafted uh, Keenan, who's going to play fullback. They got Ryan Izzo still there. I mean, there's no guarantee he was going to make the team. So, you know, he could opt out all, you know, and that and I think that's what's happened too. I think every one of these players that are like, okay, Chance Warmack at Seattle, maybe he wouldn't have made the team, you know? Marquise Goodwin in Philadelphia, you know, he can fly. Maybe he wouldn't have made the team, you know? Denver, Kyle Pico, would he have made the team? I mean, Maurice Candy opted out and wide receiver Stefan Guidry opted out for the Cowboys. Would either of those guys have made the team? See, I, I think... You know, you have every right to opt out, but I think they're getting the benefit is now if you weren't drafted and you're a free agent and you opt out, you're not getting paid. But like, like, let's just take some of these guys that opted out that were on the rock and they have every right to do it. I'm not questioning that whatsoever, but, but say they opt out and, you know, all of a sudden, but they didn't make a team last year, right? Right. They didn't make a team. You're going to pay a guy? Why wouldn't I opt out if I didn't make a team last year? You know, I'll take the 150. Yeah. Now you got, you got to pay it back, but I, I'll take the 150 and maybe they'll try to get it back out of me.
1: And to your point, not all players and all opt-outs are created equal. Like in baseball, David Price opted out. So did Buster Posey. I'm like, okay, those are a couple of big names, but that's not like 50 big names. And the season started. Similarly in the national football, like you're right, of those names, if you're an NFL fan, okay, you'll know some of those. Some of those, you have no idea who those guys are. The one guy I knew, of course, is Laurent Duv- Tardif, the Casey offensive lineman, because that guy's an actual doctor. He's Canadian. He has been literally working in hospitals. And he's like, you know what? I'd rather just keep fighting a good fight on the front lines. And you say, wow, well, I appreciate that. You're a doctor. You're literally in the medical profession. That's where you want to focus. I respect that. He's obviously a very good NFL player. The guy just came off winning a Super Bowl championship. But most of those guys are not major names, Mike. And I think that's important. If you told me tomorrow, Russell Wilson opted out or Patrick Mahomes opted out, i go, okay, that's a headline. I don't think Kyle Pico is moving the meter here. No, and, and I mean Hightower's a big name, but still, I think there's circumstances. And it seems to me a
2: lot of the players that have young families are concerned about their kids catching the virus. And 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 maybe that's the right concern. I don't know. I think, you know, I think the NFL is smart to let players opt out. Because here's what you don't want. You don't want a guy's toe in the water and then checking to see does he want to play, does he not want to play. I mean, this is going to be a hard season. This is going to be a challenging season. You need everybody that's fully committed to the team fully committed to doing the things that are right, fully committed to being mentally tough and not doing the Lou Williams gig, you know, and go get some wings. You just got to be fully committed or doing what the Marlins were doing. Because I think there's another story there with the Marlins we haven't even uncovered. Where were they? There's no way that all of those guys stayed in the hotel. There's no chance. No,
1: that's an excellent point. And that's what Rob Manfred is saying. The commissioner, listen, there's a 113 page protocol. You don't tell me that protocol. It says, listen, when you travel, you get off the plane, you use sanitizer, mask on, go right to the hotel. Have something to eat in your room. Wash yourself, clean yourself, take a shower, right? Like there's protocols we all know all over the place. You're right. Somebody must've been sloppy. And if guys are going to make mistakes, it's up to the players, right? The protocol is there. It's up to the players. If you can follow this to the best of your ability, there's a reason why Dr. Anthony Fauci said today, Major League Baseball does not have to shut down. He's like, no, is it? Is it? Is it a concerning situation? Of course it is. But the Marlins got to quarantine, get healthy and go from there. And this is Dr. Fauci. This is the leading doctor of infectious diseases. He's basically saying, here's the protocol that you can do it to have sports all along, it can happen. And if you're a sports fan, I don't know how you wouldn't want to have it happen. There's so many people have jobs whose livelihoods depend upon this. And I agree with you completely. If a guy wants to opt out, I respect it. I'm not going to criticize anybody if they don't want to do it. But if a guy wants to play, he should have that decision as well.
2: Yeah, I agree. And look, you know, I, I think what Kyle Brandt was saying, and I, d- I don't disagree. It's just like we have this rush to judgment on Twitter. You know, we have this enormous rush to judgment. Like, OK, we should just cancel the season. No way. Time out. You know, if if every answer to every problem is fire, then you're never going to get anywhere. We got to sit down and solve the problem. There's a malfunction here, you know. And, and the other one I love on Twitter is now the Patriots are tanking to get Trevor Lawrence. Like, <laughs> seriously, how did we go from? from? from A to B to to, to X. Like, how does that happen? Like, seriously. Like, if anybody knows anything about the Patriots, they're not tanking. I was told reliably that, you know, people that have been working out with Cam Newton, that Cam's been unbelievable. He's been unbelievable. Now the Patriots have cap room. I mean, they didn't have cap room when they signed Cam, which now makes it AD. It makes it really hard for the Patriots to add to their team. They're either going to have to go back and redo Cam's contract or they're going to have to do something because any player that they may want to sign, they may have to give them a signing bonus or they may have to do something because Cam didn't get it. And knowing Belichick as well as I do, there's no way he's bringing a player in to the team and paying him a signing bonus and then have to look Cam Newton in the eye and say, well, it was just all timing. Sorry, Cam. Right. He ain't doing that. That's That's why he has a great culture. He's not going to do that. So what he would do, like he's done with Patrick Chung 15,000 times, is go redo Cam's deal even though it's just fresh before he can add a player because he's no way is he going to. And the other thing I think people are misconstruing about all this stuff, when the players opt out, it comes out of the cap. Like the one thing the owners have done a great job of is every expense, including the testing, including the Kavona, is coming out of either benefits or cap. Now they're going to lose a lot and we know this the tv revenue deals that are coming up they're going to start negotiating on them i think fairly soon they're going to be astronomical ad they are going to be astronomical But the the reality of it is, is the owners are not, it's not costing them anything to do what they're doing.
1: Yeah, and back to Kyle's tweet. There's a segment of the NFL media that seems to be almost rooting for COVID to affect the season they wanted. They see the Marlins news and say, yep, lots of luck, football. These are people who make their livings off football. I don't get it, and I agree with him on that. All right, that's our talk when it comes to Patriots and COVID, how it's expecting them. Another major topic has been Jamal Adams. He got his wish. You want out, you're out. He leaves the Jets. Antonio Brown unretires again, and we continue some of the best lines in Sopranos history. This time we look at Christopher, Christopher Moltisante. All that more after the break.
0: 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: All right, Jamal Adams, the New York Jets saying, see ya. The All-Pro Safety goes to the Seattle Seahawks. I believe Michael Lombardi had said, watch out for the Seahawks. A package that includes first-round draft picks in each of the next two years. The Seahawks send safety Bradley McDougal, those two first-round picks and a third-round pick. They get Adams and the Jets' fourth-rounder. 24-year-old Adams made it clear did not want to be a part of the Jets. He ripped Adam Gase. He criticized Woody Johnson on Twitter. Since entering the league in 2017, there's no doubt he's a stud. He ranks in the top five among defensive backs in snaps, tackles, sacks, and forced fumbles. But Mike, there's no doubt about it. You give a couple of first rounders, that's a big time move. Did Seattle give up too much to get Adams? Well, I mean, look, they 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 certainly paid an exorbitant price. I mean, when you
2: when you get a player back, and and I think Adams is a good player. Don't get me wrong, I think he's a good player. That being said, you know, do I think he is a, a cover guy? No. Do I think he is a a a guy that has to he's is he's sp- team Pacific, absolutely. That's what I wrote about in The Athletic. So when you trade for a guy, you you got to at least give a one, right? So you're given that one. It's a low one. And then, you know, then it becomes what else is there in the deal, you know, because the, you're trading a player. Essentially, when you trade a first round pick, you're trading a player for a player. That pick becomes a player. Right. He becomes a player. So if you're negotiating the contract and you're Joe Douglas and you say and the Seattle calls you on the phone and says, you know, we would we're we're interested. We'll give you our first round pick for Jamal Adams. And you'd say, like, look, like, seriously, I'm not going to trade this guy for a 23rd pick in the draft that, that I don't even get half the value for the player. That's how the conversations start. And then it becomes, okay, I'll throw you a three, I'll throw you a four. You know, now all of a sudden you're just giving me a bunch of th- guys that really can't start. I need at least, if you're going to get a guy who's going to be a Pro Bowl player, I, you got to give me two starters. And that's how it builds to a one. You know, and look, I, I think this. I think that when you study Jamal Adams, you know, he is not very good in anything that happens in the passing game. He had seven passes defended last year. Bradley McDougal had six, okay? So, you know, I mean, now where they lose it is McDougal didn't have as many tackle for losses. He didn't have as many quarterback hits. He didn't do those things. But McDougal had 70 overall tackles for the team. You know, he had a half a sack. Where Jamal Adams is really good is going forward, running into the pocket, attacking the quarterback, and then making tackles from sideline to sideline. He's the perfect fit. For Seattle. I just think Seattle paid a premium price for a player that is not a premium within their
1: defense. That's well said. I mean, listen, like you said, good player, not great player. Do you think Seattle's thinking was, hey, listen, we're on the cusp. We feel like we have as good a chance as anybody. Yeah, these two firsts may end up hurting us down the road, but but short term, let's just try to go ahead and get ourselves a ring because we know many teams have done that. Listen, is the trade a little bit imbalanced? Yes, but if it can get us a ring, we're going to go for it. Is this one of those Seattle's putting all their chips in? Yeah, I think with, with, you they got a 70-year-old coach
2: and Pete Carroll you got a player that Pete Carroll is probably telling John Schneider, look, this guy's exactly like Joey Browner. This guy's exactly like John Lynch. This guy's exactly like – and those are all good players, and he is probably better than them. But Pete can now get back to being Pete. So last year with McDougal and with all the players they had on their team, they played a lot more cover two than they played cover three. They got away from Pete Carroll's eight-man box, and it showed up with their team. I mean, it really showed up with their team. They couldn't play run defense. I mean, they were one of the worst run defenses in all of football last year. They couldn't stop anybody. You know, they they struggled. And when you've got to play San Francisco, and you've got to play the Rams, and you're coming off a season where the teams ran 388 times against you for 1,883 yards and 22 touchdowns. And gave up 4.85 yards per attempt. They gave up 10 runs. They gave up 55 runs of 10 yards or more. I mean, that's not who Pete Carroll's defense is about. So Pete just basically probably this offseason said, look, I got to go back to being who I am. It helped me, it, it, it made me win in Minnesota. It helped me win when I was in New England. It made me win in 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 Los Angeles with USC, with Troy Palomoa playing that role. I got to get back to that. And if it costs us a little bit, it's really only going to cost us one extra player because it's going to cost us that one in 2022. Then I think I got to do it because I'll be 72 at that point.
1: And if you look at some of these metrics, the 49ers could take a, I don't want to say a tumble this year, but it's going to be hard to replicate their performance from a season ago. So maybe Pete says, you know what? Maybe we can we can win the division this year. If the Niners take a little bit of a step back, Adams makes us a better team. Let's win now. Like I said, the guy is 70 years old, even though he looks great for his age. And then look, AD, I mean, like, like you would think, okay, he's got to beat San
2: Francisco. Okay. In, against San Francisco, he gave up 5.33 yards per carry. And he gave up in the first time they had a chance to, when they beat him, he gave up 3 2. Against Arizona, they ran Arizona ran the ball 40 times against them last year for 253 yards, 6.33 a clip. Even the Panthers. Ran the ball on him. I mean, everybody ran the ball on him. And I think what he just said, you know what? I got to go back to being who I am. I've got a lot better players in my front seven. I've got better linebackers. I need this 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 guy that can really dominate in the run game. And he got
1: him. Yeah, sometimes you say, listen, we've got a liability. We'll shore it up. Is it an overpay? Fine, but does it fix a liability? Yes. Okay, then I can deal with it. Uh, for Washington, effective immediately. They are now the Washington football team. Not a final renaming and rebranding for the team, but until they get one figured out. They got 50 days basically by September 13th, regular season opener against the Eagles to get rid of the logo and get rid of the former name. If you're wondering what's the logo going to be, well, their helmets are going to have burgundy and gold, same color scheme, but the former logo on the helmet will be replaced by each player's name number in gold. So they got the home unis week one, road unis week two. As we said before, Mike, this is a long process. You don't say, okay, we're no longer the Redskins. Now we're the Admirals. Let's go. This is going to take a while. Might be six months, might be a year, but no longer hail to the Redskins. Now it is, as awkward as it sounds, the Washington football team.
2: Yeah, you know, and I, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of r- rules and regulations you got to jump through hurdles to go through. And you probably want to do focus groups and see if they're the right name and come up with it. But they're going to keep the colors. They're going to keep their tradition, you know. And I just worry about if I were... A redskin fan I would worry about you know you got a head coach who's doing a hell of a lot more stuff than he's ever done in his life he's got now he's he's on tap for doing the you know the, he's got the branding of the company he's got to do the organization he's got to coach the team there's a lot to ask of him i think that's going to be challenging but you know i promise you i can promise you this and it's I, i'll extend my apologies beforehand i am going to use the word red
1: a thousand. I mean, it's going to be hard for me to get out of my system. We were joking about that with the Raiders. It's going to be hard to say Las Vegas Raiders, right? You want to say Oakland Raiders. I mean, yeah. we're in college football for years. You'd I'll say, just
2: call us the fucking
1: Raiders. We're the Raiders. <laughs> you just put the in front of it. That's all you need. We had people in college football at ESPN. It was the Pac-10. They go, no, it's the Pac-12. They go, oh, sorry, I keep screwing that up. I mean, it, it happens all the time. So I'm with you. There's going to be many who will be screwing up uh, the Washington football team's lack of nickname. And we just discussed this last week on the GM Shuffle. Antonio Brown. Last week, announcing he was unofficially ending his NFL career, although he'd done it once before only to turn around and attempt to catch on with another team last season. This time it lasted approximately... Two days. Yeah, He is still under investigation by the NFL for multiple sexual misconduct accusations. The 32-year-old is making it clear for now he wants to return to the NFL. Multiple teams interested, but no organization is willing to sign off on him until his suspension is determined. That seems straightforward, Mike. In American life, why are you going to hire somebody if you go, well, I've got this pending lawsuit, but trust me, I'd be a great employee for this company. No, no. Settle your lawsuit. Let's figure that stuff out. You come to us here. We'll give you a second chance, third chance, whatever. We'll move on. Brady would love to have him, but until they get the other stuff dealt with, he's not going anywhere, right? Right. And and I'm told by a team
2: that's done a lot of homework on him that the league is going to suspend him. Uh, he's going to get suspended. Now, no one knows how many games or for, uh, you know, how long, eight, six, four, no one knows that, but he is going to get suspended. There's teams that have been calling other teams about him. I mean, teams have actually gone back and called Butch Jones, who coached him at Central Florida, to find out about the kid. Seattle's made a lot of phone calls. I mean, I don't think Seattle's in his, in love with Josh Gordon because they know Josh Gordon, it's over with for Josh Gordon. Like Josh Gordon really – everybody talks about Josh Gordon like it's 2013 and he's stiff-arming Aqib Tlaib running for a 70-yard t- – that, that, those days are over with for Josh Gordon. His legs are gone. And Josh Gordon is as unreliable today as he was back when I was with him in 2013. So, I mean, if someone signs him, it would be at a minimum deal. And I don't think anybody would really trust that he could come back and play to that level. That's why I think Antonio Brown is getting a lot of action. You know, Josh Gordon will look like, oh, they signed Josh Gordon. Let me just say, he, he won't make any difference on any team that he goes to. But Antonio Brown could. And I think that's why he's getting a lot of action. The problem is the league will suspend him. And what are you getting? And then what's his behavior going to be like once he gets suspended? I mean, apparently he had signed the deal with the woman that, uh, that alleged that, that accused him of the misconduct and they had reached an agreement, but then he never paid her, but he signed the document. So, I mean, there's a lot of layers to this guy that becomes really messy. That being said- There's no doubt that I think that there's teams that want them, and I know Tom Brady would.
1: So to reiterate, multiple teams interested, the NFL launched its inquiry in September following his release from the Patriots. The league has yet to announce a conclusion or potential discipline since. When we come back, our series of the greatest Sopranos quotes in the show's history. This week, we look back, Christopher, Christopher Moltisanti, next. Well, Christopher Moltisanti. It's hard to pick a favorite character, Mike. Whenever I watch The Sopranos, and I would feel like the obvious answer is Tony. But oftentimes, if somebody asks me my favorite character, I say Christopher because I can see a lot of myself in him. Young guy, hot-headed, loves movies. And uh, clearly has a lot of issues. Thankfully, I've not had any substance abuse issues like him or any other stuff. But when I interviewed him on Cinephile, Michael Imperioli, he's a great guy. And I said, "How did you play this guy who's got so many flaws? I mean, literally, he's he's an abuser. He beats up his girlfriend. I mean, he's got drug problems." And he goes, "Well, the one thing I found with him that was actually admirable is he's a hard worker. If Tony calls him at four in the morning, he's going to do it. You got to go clean the bodies. You got to go dig a ditch. You're going to go drive across the country. He is a hard worker." And he said that was the key when I approached as a character one thing about Christopher he's a hard worker he'll do what he's told to do and that leads to a lot of great lines particularly a lot of the lines him and Tony Sirico like the relationship with him and Pauly is one of the great comedy duos of all time
2: yeah it it really is it's Martin and Lewis I mean the way they go back and forth to each other I mean the Pine Barrens episode just alone is the comedy between the two of them but I think my favorite Christopher moment it really wasn't his line It's when it's in the, I think it's in the Meadowlands or it's the show after the Meadowlands. Maybe it is Meadowlands where he's coming out of the hospital and Adriana says to him when he says get the car and she sa- and he's like what what what's wrong with you and she says nothing. no tell me what's wrong and she says is it true you did number 2 in there uh, in your pants and, and and he goes completely off i mean i think the combination of them two was perfect with each other i mean you remember when they were when they were talking about who they've had sex with before and then she brings up somebody that she had sex with and he gets all pissed off at her. You know, <laughs> when they started the whole conversation off with that, you know, I gave him a little head. And, and then next thing you know, he's going to flying off the handle. I mean, to me, he was the perfect mobster. He was narcissistic, he was absolutely, you know, temperamental. He could turn on a dime. And yet there was a good heart to him at times.
1: Yeah, at times. There's definitely moments, you know, him and his mom. I I think that, you know, one of the episodes I really love is uh, the relationship with him and Tony and Tony Blondetto, Steve Buscemi, and the fact they used to always make fun of him. And it was like, you know, genuinely poignant when you see his reaction, them making fun of him. Like his whole life, they made fun of him as kids. And when he goes back, he's telling Adriano, these guys always make fun of me. The line is, pours you a drink with one hand, judges you with the other if you take it. And that led to a lot of resentment, towards Tony. And it, you can see that, right? As kids, you were just busting balls, but then it goes to another level and it gets more mean spirited. And the fact that, you know, alcoholism is a disease, like, ah, bullshit. You're just a pussy, that kind of stuff. I thought he really kind of gave it a lot of shades of depth to his character. Yeah. When you see
2: him in the beginning, I mean, he has the classic line. That's the line, Adrienne. I'm My uncle Tony, that's the man I'm going to hell for. And essentially that's what he ended up doing. I mean, he at least had the foresight to go through and get it. I mean, how about when he walks in and he says, you know, highways jammed with broken hero on the last chance power drive? I mean, he just, you know, he had some good moments. And like I said, I think, you know, when he's when he's sitting there talking about when the reaction to, to Paulie when the guy when Paulie says that guy was some kind of interior decorator, <laughs> and he says, This house looked like shit though.
1: <laughs> One of the funniest lines ever, the Pine Barrens episode. And you're right about that line. There's the guy I'm going to hell for. I think I think that's probably his best line. It's so well done. There's so many other times. He gets angry, upset. One time he says, swingers, he can suck my dick. That swings too. Uh, there's no chemical solution. There's no chemical solution to a spiritual problem. Even when I, I love that first standalone episode, uh, The Legend of Tennessee Multisante, when he's talking to Polly, and he goes, You ever see Devil's Advocate? And Polly just looks at him, he's like, Al, like, of course I've seen it. It's Pacino. And he's like, you know, do you ever feel like nothing good's ever gonna happen to you? Like, where's my arc? And he's yeah. like, kid, what arc are you talking about? Like the, the whole idea that his life he's thinking like a screamer. Better, even though he's like a wannabe wise guy. And then he's so excited when all of a sudden his name gets mentioned in the paper and he steals like 20 newspapers. That's just perfect for that kind of a character.
2: He goes out and buys up all the papers and, it, you know, it just, it, it really is. I mean, early on too, before he got made, he was good too. And, uh, you know, and he was so loyal to Tony, you know, in the beginning. And then, you know, when he went off the deep end a little bit, you know, he always had that back and forth with Tony that just kind of fit naturally within the plot. It wasn't like made, like what when I watch some other shows, sometimes the conflict between characters almost becomes invented, you know, and it's becomes hard to like. Really, why is he mad at this guy? You know, I, I do that all the time. Th- There's some shows that, that they try to create controversy, whereas I thought this was really natural. That there was always that resentment, you know, with Tony, and he was never getting enough. You know, even when he was trying to do stuff, when he when he went out to how about when he went out to out to L.A. and stayed at the hotel with with Ray and. They stole the goodie gifts from Lauren
1: McCallum. <laughs> <laughs> so well done, um, Christopher Bultasante. Tweet us your thoughts. What you think are his best lines? Cinephile Pod, and of course, Mike and I are both on Instagram. Follow at M NFL, same as his Twitter handle. You can also follow our show's Instagram page at the GM Shuffle. Two things as we close. One, we've got to get a sponsor with Magic City. I don't care how we do it, but Magic City Wings right here on the GM Shuffle. Send us some. Mike and I'll eat it. We'll promote it. We'll do whatever we got to do for Lou Williams. And the Emmy nominations come out today 26 nominations for Watchmen. Succession did tremendous, which I was glad to see. Rami gets nominated for Best Actor. Better Call Saul. I know you watch Killing Eve. Jodie Comer and Sandra O oh got nominated for Killing Eve Best Actress. But here's the best news Claire Dane's not nominated for Homeland. Homeland did terrible today in the final Emmy nominations. <laughs> did Billions get any nominations at all? No, Billions also did terrible. Billions was snubbed by everything here. It's just nothing. Nothing for Giamatti, nothing for Damian Lewis. The show didn't get nominated. They think it's become a little bit too pop culture, I think.
2: Yeah, I, I think to me, you know, I, I mean, I love, I watch it, but I think this, the the, like, I still don't understand why Paul Giamatti hates, ha- hates him so much. Like, I don't understand how that conflict is still how why he and Axe hate each other so, so much, you know, like I get Tony hating Ralph. It was natural. It was organic. I get Tony hating Richie April. It was natural. I get Tony hating Feach. You know, these guys come back and they, they, you know, I get that. It just to me, sometimes I wonder, like, what is the, you know, like, and I'll show you that, you know, when you watch Yellowstone, the girl character uh, in that, Beth, I mean, she's, she could have her own episode, but her hate for her brother, we finally find out why it is. And it comes to fruition. So sometimes I just feel like, you, you know, there's you always want conflict, but it has to be organic. It can't be forced.
1: Yeah. Well, the good news is Homeland completely snubbed. Billions, unfortunately, snubbed as well. So clearly the Emmys are at least listening to the GM shuffle because- uh Homeland goes away with a whimper, not with a bag as they were hoping. Thank God it's over.
2: Everybody's breathing a sigh
1: it's over. (laughs) Thanks, as always, for checking out the GM Shuffle. Listen, we got camps opening. We're going to have stories next week. uh, Not only guys opting out, but guys playing. Who's looking good, who's not. At least, you know, lifting, getting in shape. So this is a great time for football. Make sure you keep listening to the GM Shuffle. Tell all your friends about it, and we'll talk to you next week.